But do be seated as Maggie comes and brings us our readings. This morning's reading is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Shall we pray together? Father God, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you have made. Thank you for your words to us. Thank you for the gift of scripture. Lord Jesus, we just pray as we spend a few moments thinking about it. If any words are of mine and not of you, I just pray that we'd forget them immediately. But anything that you want to say to us, I pray that it would stay on our hearts, stay with us, challenge us, change us to be the church you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me start by adding my welcome to you this morning. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Aidan. I'm the curate here at Christchurch, uh, and it's a joy and a privilege to continue uh, on our sermon series. Uh, those of you who are regular members will know we've been going at this for quite a while now, uh, 11 weeks into our series where we're going from Genesis to Revelation, looking at the whole Bible in 14 weeks. Uh, and this morning, uh, we're, we're calling the series All Things New, which is named after a book by Pete Hughes. Uh, and it's cracking. And keep going. Those of you who are reading along with us uh, in the series, I know many people are and uh, are finding it really, really helpful. Um, this morning, we've got the title Disciples Shaped by God's Glory. And it's the story of the early church. Uh, just to recap the story so far of where we've gone um, well, sorry, just to say before that, the reason why we're doing this series is, is we believe that actually as we encounter Scripture, as we read the Bible better, as we read it more, we discover the story of God and we find our own story in that. We, and the aim of our series, the aim of the whole thing we're doing here is to find our own stories, wherever we're at on Monday to Sunday, find our stories within the bigger picture of God's story. And the story we live in is the story we live out. The story, if we can live in God's story and understand our place in that, then we will live out a better, more fruitful life for Jesus. And just, yeah, as I say, to recap where we've been, we started at creation uh, and the beginning of all things, God made everything good. And then we have spent quite a lot on decreation, the time after the fall, when everything falls apart, sin enters the world. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, there's a story of, of God's goodness, but human failures and human shortcomings. But then Jesus comes, because God did not want to leave the world completely broken. He did not want to leave the world broken. And so he sent Jesus uh, to, and his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension brings the promise and the hope of recreation. 
Now, in some of our weeks, we've uh, looked at very kind of minute parts of the Bible and minute themes. And other weeks, we've gone quite uh, large. We've gone through large sections in one go. And this, mo- this morning, we're doing one of the latter. The aim is to get from Acts uh, this week all the way up to just before Revelation. The next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on the end of the story in Revelation. So we're going to do most of the New Testament this morning, so strap in. Um, but firstly, I wonder, have you ever one thought, should the story kind of finish with Jesus? Should the story finish with Jesus on the cross? It should finish at Easter, right, maybe? You know, death is defeated. The cross is the guarantee of the recreation of all things. It's the climax of the story. Or maybe we might finish the story at Pentecost. Last week, Nigel was here speaking about the story of the first Pentecost, when the Spirit descends, life is better, recreation begins. And then and we have the end of, our, of that same reading, is what our reading is for today, from Acts 2, that paints a picture of the early church that is perfect and wonderful. The church lives in harmony, sharing everything. No one was in need. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, breaking bread together. And then because of this, the church grew. The church grew and grew exponentially, and it would go on to change the whole world. And so logically, I've always thought maybe the story should go, right, Jesus, Pentecost, church growth, world changed, revelation. That's the end. But of course, it doesn't finish there. Because we are journeying towards recreation, but we're not there yet. We're in this kind of in-between stage, a liminal period. In some ways, God's recreation is here. We can experience relationship with God now through his Holy Spirit. We can know forgiveness, healing, wholeness now. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. The separation between God and human beings was taken away. We can worship God in spirit and in truth all over the world. Jew and Gentile can worship and know God now. And our lives can be and are transformed as we encounter God. But yet the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. Not everything has been made new. The promise of the cross and the resurrection is that all things, all of creation, will be made new. A new, re- recreated, restored, heaven and earth, will, free from sin, free from death, will be here, but it's not here yet. Theologians call this paradox, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And there's tension in this place. The now and the not yet, there is tension. Every Christian, I think, can recognize this tension. On the one hand, Jesus sets us free from sin and death. And yet on the other, we all still struggle with sin in our day-to-day lives. We all still have shortcomings. We are in relationship with God. We know him. And yet at times, we all still fail to love him. We still see and experience the effects of sin all around of us. The pain of death is still painful. And so the Bible story doesn't stop just at Pentecost and skip straight to Revelation. In fact, the rest of the New Testament tells the story of the early church living, proclaiming, and testifying to the gospel of Jesus, whilst also living in this tension of the now and the not yet. And there are different types of writings throughout the New Testament. You're probably more familiar with them than you are with the Old Testament. Most churches, most Christians definitely are. 
Um, but my challenge for this week, we've had various challenges through our series. My challenge for you this week is to pick a book of the Bible and read it. To pick a book of the New Testament and read it in its entirety if you can this week. If you prefer narrative, then you might want to start with the book of Acts. Uh, we've, we, over the last two weeks, our readings have just been from Acts 2. But Acts is the story, or, or the Acts of the Apostles, as it's fully given, as its full title is. It gives the story of people like Peter and Paul and Timothy and others uh, and, uh, and Stephen. And they go, uh, and it's the story of their actions as they spread the gospel. In many ways, the story is as I described, a story of exponential growth as the kingdom of God breaks into the world. And cities, regions, vast swathes of the Roman Empire are transformed as they encounter the love of God, as they encounter the gospel. And of course, we can follow that story beyond Acts through history as the church emerges. But yet, Acts is also the story of the not yet of the kingdom, the tension most significantly, we see this again and again through intense persecution that these Christians experience. In spite of the miracles and the amazing teachings that were going on, the good news, actually a lot of people rejected this teaching, uh, especially those in power, uh, and so the church were persecuted. Many of the early Christians were martyred. But also, whilst the church uh, in Acts was a wonderful community, that reflected the goodness of God, there was still uh, disunity, there were still issues, uh, and, and they were still full of sinful people. There's the uncomfortable story of Ananias and Sapphira. There's conflict in the church community and differences of understanding, and there are often distortions of Jesus' teaching that needed correction. Now, these, these differences, these distortions actually led on to the uh, New Testament letters being written. Many of the letters uh, that form the bulk of the rest of the New Testament uh, are written by Paul to the churches around him, stuff like 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, and so on. Uh, others were written to encourage leaders and, and, and co-workers uh, of the gospel with Paul, uh, such as 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. For example, 1 and 2 Corinthians spoke into this uh, disagreement quite powerfully. Uh, in many ways, the church in Corinth was more demonstrative of the fallenness and the not yet of the kingdom than it was the now. See, this rich, wealthy church and congregation was, was perpetuating injustice. There was disparity in the church. Some people were being preferred over others. And so Paul writes into this and says, no, this is what you need to do differently. In Philippians, there's a disagreement going on that seems to be the inspiration of the letter, uh, a disagreement between two people called Eodia and Sintich. The early church was incredible. It was amazing, but it did live in this tension. So perhaps this week you might want to uh, read one of Paul's letters some of them are longer, like Romans, or some of them are more short and easier to read, like Ephesians. Alternatively, you might want to read one of the other letters, not written by Paul. You've got 1 and 2 Peter, James, which is a particular favorite of mine. Uh, or if you're really kind of short of time and reading's not your thing, 1, 2, and 3 John. Take about 10 minutes to do all three. So um, up to you. <laughs> but we've also got Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is amazing. It's, it's a bit different to the others. It's, uh, we don't know who wrote it, but it's, uh, it's more of a sermon than it is a letter, uh, and it's a wonderful theological understanding of Jesus 
uh, that it looks through the Old Testament and looks at Jesus through the lens of the whole Bible, and it is phenomenal, and I thoroughly recommend to that to you. Although it's quite confusing, so probably do that with others if you can, and have a chat, and all of this, we do this in community. Share your findings with one another. Talk about what you're reading. Encourage one another as well. Uh, if you prefer listening to the Bible like I do, uh, look up audio Bibles as well. I thoroughly recommend them as well. So that's as good an overview of the scriptures, that I, of the New Testament and this section of it that I can give. <clears throat> but reading it in faith, uh, we find a vision of what the church was and what the church can be. And that's what I want to finish with this morning. I want to kind of focus on this. Because throughout history... Every denomination, every Christian movement that has emerged, it seems, strives to get back to the vision of the early church, strives to get back to how they did it uh, in those earliest days. And it's good reason, isn't it? If we look to those verses, uh, that we, a couple of those verses that we had read uh, by Maggie, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. What a vision of church that is. What an amazing vision. And, and what are the consequences of this? Well, the last verse in our reading said, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This, there's a reason why Acts 2 is, is that they're often quoted on church websites as their vision statement. There's movements of churches called the Acts 2 movement of churches because this is such a wonderful vision for what the church can be. A large part of my own testimony in coming to faith comes because I encountered a faith-filled, committed, uh, life-filled, uh, life resurrection-believing community. These people were generous, gracious, truly welcoming the way they worshipped through their songs, the way that people came over to me and shook my hand and were genuinely happy to see me and my teenage friends there, just the experience I had there, the way they prayed as if they actually believed God was present, it just spoke to me in a way. I wasn't particularly looking for faith, but a friend of mine invited me to come along to his church and I went and I loved it and I stayed around. It took a long time for me to actually come to faith in God myself but I stayed because I experienced something tangibly different in that place, in, in, in the community that I met there. It's why I'm utterly committed to the vision of the local church being God's uh, chosen vessel for delivering his gospel. I believe in this concept that is church. And here at Christ Church, I see time and time and again evidence that it, and things that embody these words in Acts 2. We're going to celebrate some of them uh, later at IPCM. If you've not seen the church report yet, do look it up. It's on our church website, or our printed copies, I think, are available if you need that. Um, but yeah, we, it's, we're celebrating what's going on at Christ Church. In our best moments, we truly are devoted to Jesus. We're devoted to his teaching. We're devoted to one another, to prayer. And, and people are coming to faith. The kingdom of God is breaking out in this place, even through COVID, even through the restrictions. We've known people come to faith for the first time. Uh, we've been in a period without a vicar, uh, an interregnum, as the Church of England calls it, and, but even through some challenges, I believe this has been a season of growth for us. But as I said, I think the New Testament really does help us wrestle and journey through the tension of the Christian life as well. As individuals, we experience this tension of the now and the not yet. 
But just like all churches, just like the early church, as a community, we also do experience this tension. There are times when, as a church community, we don't live up to this Acts 2 vision of church. There are times when we could be more loving of God and our neighbor, more welcoming, more devoted to Jesus. The reality is that the world has not been made new yet. It is still a broken world. And we as a church full of broken people, ministering to broken people, sometimes brokenness can be more apparent than God's kingdom of recreation and goodness. And so how do we respond to this? I can't really tell you what uh, exactly it might look like for you to be more devoted to Jesus, what, might, what it might look like entirely. That's really for God to kind of nudge us and guide us and shape us. But I want to just think a little bit, just as I, as I close, about some of the ways in which we might uh, discover God's, uh, God's vision and a bit more for ourselves. The first thing to say is that we need God's help. We need God's guidance. Uh, and he is there. He is willing to help us. By the power and, and the presence of his Holy Spirit guiding us. And we talk about this a lot at church, and I, and I don't want to underestimate, that is the most important thing. God has to be the one who inspires us. But the second thing I want to dwell on, um, that we maybe talk about less at times in church, is that it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of effort. It's, this is an effort to earn God's love. We don't need to try and earn God's love. There's no way we can earn God's love. We've celebrated over Easter uh, the free gift that is salvation, that we, all we have to do is place our faith in Christ, and he is there for us. He is loving us, forgiving us. We cannot earn our salvation. But yet, being a disciple of Jesus means following his teaching, and sometimes though that teaching is a little bit hard. Often, it does require effort. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, encouraging the churches uh, there to put off their old self and instead be, renewed by the, um, be strengthened by the renewing of their minds and then put on the new self. Take off the old self, put on the new. And in my experience, this is a, a daily invitation we have as Christians, a daily discipline and a choice we can make to take off the old and put on the new. It may be an, an hourly decision as we walk through life. Take off the old, put on the new. Strive to live for Jesus. It's that kind of striving, some of that effort that helps us to push through the tension. James, I said I love the book of James. He talks about this as well when he talks about uh, showing our faith without, with deeds and actions. He says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. But crucially, all of this effort, uh, this choice to take off the old self and put on this new, the new, the, the choice to show our faith by our actions is not one we can or should or even, yeah, should even consider making on our own. It is as a community. It is as a church family with the support of our church family. Too often I speak to Christians who are struggling on their own who are not able to, you know, not connecting with other Christians as well as they could be. There's a reason why the early church met together so regularly. Uh, there's a reason why the, the writer of the Hebrews said, do not stop meeting together. Since COVID, we've had to isolate. We've had to do life uh, more separately at times. But this can't be the norm for our whole lives. Church is not just there to be, to be observed. It's not just there to be watched, but something we are to be a part of. 
Now, I absolutely love our, our online congregation, and you're, I'm so glad that you're with us uh, virtually. But I would encourage you, like some of our online members, to, to engage and join a home group uh, online, that even if you can't come in person, there are ways of joining uh, online that I would encourage you to chat to Anita Dobson or look on our website. Uh, and, and get in touch. There are people who can't be here physically, but are still part of home groups on Zoom. Uh, more and more, I'm convinced throughout my life that there's no such thing as solo Christianity. And actually, this goes for us in the church building as well. Even if we come to church, I'm very aware of a church the size of ours, that it's very possible to come, watch, and then go. But I really encourage you to find the, the value, to find the depth of relationship that's available here in church as we get involved, get in stuck in, try living this devoted life to Christ together. Again, you can uh, ask us and chat to us about joining home groups and small groups or getting involved with serving, things like the noise, doing this Christian life together. I cannot recommend it enough. Don't struggle on your own. Because a church that is living up to its potential, living up to that vision in Acts 2, will be full of people together who are showing their faith by their deeds. And as I said, we are in many ways here at church completely full of this. This is what we are doing. This is what you are doing. And I'm looking at a church of amazing, committed people. I'm so blessed to have been here for the last three years. But I want to invite us all this morning and this week to think about what it would look like if we were more devoted more perseverant, more renewed, and more inspired by the love of God, both as individuals, but as a collective. I don't know exactly what it would look like. I don't know exactly where we would go, but I'm pretty sure I know something. It's the last verse again. The Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Amen? Let it be so. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you, first of all, that you love us unconditionally. You love each and every one of us, and that is not a love we can earn. That is not a love we have to strive for. We don't have to prove anything to you. You are so eager for us to turn to you, so eager to give us good gifts. You are the way maker, making uh, making difference, a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But Lord, help us this week to strive to love you more, to strive to love each other more, to put effort in as we follow you as disciples of Jesus. We ask all of this in his name, with his help. Amen.